Awesome. This morning we're starting a new series called Multiply. Um, I'm excited about this one. Uh, the big cross there is saying it all, is that we trust in God for multiplication. And what multiplication specifically are we trusting Him for? Because it could be for anything. And I'm excited to announce this morning that we're going to be speaking about money for the next few weeks. Okay. There's a little bit of a... I was hoping for a cheer, you know. <laughs> but often this topic, people are scared maybe to talk about it. I guess it's like you don't want to talk about the Ten Commandments, right? But I think we had an incredible time discovering that. But our heart as leaders for this church and this community is that we do talk about the things that are at the, 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 the forefront of what people think about all the time. And let's be honest, who doesn't think about money at least once a day? If you're in this room, come and tell me afterwards how you do it, because I don't think it's actually possible. But it's important that we as a community and as a church have a great biblical stance on what money is all about, right? It is such an important and integral part around and, and in the world and in life that, and even 2,000 years ago in Jesus' time, that it's something that we need to speak about. We believe that we are a disciple-making movement, and we would miss the, the whole point as leaders to not make sure that we disciple the people in our care in all areas of life. So we're going to talk about multiplication for the next few weeks. What's the heart of this message? And it's simply that we trust in God for multiplication of our giving, our receiving, and our achieving. And the fact that God has called us as His church to use our seed and our finances in giving. And then if the more we do it, the Bible is sure to tell us that there will be a greater reward if we invest and if we give and if we sow. But the reason for that reward is so that we can multiply our giving again. And then it all ends up in our achieving as a house. To say that God, we want to achieve more for your kingdom. And we want to achieve more for your community in which you have called us to. The beginning of this year, we started our year's vision talking about building and, 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 and what it is to build together for the purposes of God. And we've seen a multiplication of what God has done in, in this year. Don't you agree with that? It's been an incredible year of God's faithfulness and multiplying our efforts. But in the times and seasons that we are in, when the economy is the way it is and the uncertainty of this world is wrapped around us, it is good for us as a church to stop and go to his word, which is life, and say, God, what do you say and think about all of this? Um, it is important. And therefore, my heart this, this morning is that you understand that the message is coming from a heart of love. The motive is love, is to see each one of you flourish in fullness in this area of your life, to have victory, to walk in victory, to walk in freedom, and to be liberated. When the the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked him, he said, God, what must I do to be saved? The Bible says that Jesus loved him. And because he loved him, he said, this is what you ought to do. And he gave him his marching orders, which was, which was all to do with money. And that's God's heart for us. He knows that this battle of finances and money is such a real thing to us. Therefore, he has given us his word to understand it and manage it in such a way that we can walk in love and liberty. And that's the heart of Jesus this morning. Now, I'm a pastor, for those of you who don't know. I'm not an economist. Um, I try and run the budget in our house. I'm definitely the more budget-orientated one between the two of us. But um, I'm not that, that tuned into fiscal matters. My heart is, is to help you guys and, and the community understand what God, God's heart is for this. 
And therefore, I, I celebrate the fact that in this house, we have incredible leaders on our eldership team and beyond that, who are very in tune to financial and fiscal matters, who serve in some of the biggest banks in our country, who can help us understand this better. Someone like Anthony, who's going to be preaching next week, is going to help us understand how do we think about finances in today's time and how do we apply ourselves to, to do it a little bit better. So our goal for the next three weeks is to discover the heart of giving, is to speak about the head, how do we think about it, how do we apply it, and then talk about the hands. What do we as a church do with the finances God has given us? And this is a collective decision as an eldership team to say, let's talk about this and, and discover at, at the bottom and at the root of it, what is it that God wants us to understand about giving? And that's my goal today. Next week, Anthony is going to talk about the head and how we apply the biblical wisdom with regards to, to using our finances. And then the last Sunday, we're going to be celebrating what we as a community collectively achieve in the kingdom of God through the expression of our giving. And um, I want to encourage you to try and be at all three to get the full benefit. Um, if you can't, then make sure that you listen to them throughout the week. But I've got such, I just want to say this morning that I've got such a trust in the leadership of this church when it comes to finances. We've got one of the best treasurers, I think, in the world, Kate, who makes sure that we stick to the budget and that we, we work it well and we, we turn around every cent we possibly can. She's very strong and yet very gracious with us as a staff but we've got a phenomenal team and we've got Ant leading our financial committee together with Neil and Skulton Rienen and Pete and myself. And I really have a great trust in this team. And I want to share a story with you to, to explain to you how much I do trust them. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how do we approach finances biblically? And Anthony and his demeanor and the way he said, you know what, every cent we give in, we need to work a plan. We need to figure it out and say, this amount goes there, this amount goes there until it all fits. Like, okay, Anthony, that's a great idea. Kate, on the other hand, a little bit more spiritual, said, you know what, let's pray about the spending of this money. Let's decide and see where God leads us. And then Neil came and he said, I've got a great idea. Why don't we climb onto the roof of the office and all the offering we get, we throw into the air and whatever God wants, he can take and what falls onto the floor, we can use ourselves. And I thought, you know what, we've got an incredible team of people, and that's all a joke. It didn't happen. But often, we, we go through, and I'm using this joke as an example, we go through this thing just, oh, you know what, we try and figure it out ourselves, or we pray and we plan, or maybe some of us do throw our money in the air, and whatever falls on the floor, we think belongs to us, and God will take what he needs. But our heart, again, is to help you really get a grip on this, and understand how God sees this. I want to start by saying at the beginning of the series that giving is not law, it's life. And we saw that in the 10 series. So because God has loved us, he has given us some very specific principles and marching orders pertaining to life. So we could have life and have it abundantly. And sadly, there's this trend and there's been forever it's not new to say that when we talk about giving, we are talking about the law. And when we understand the heart of stewardship and the heart of giving, it is really about our love and our motive back to God because He first loved us and we respond with love. Giving really started, or the, the, the concept of, of stewardship 
and, and holding on to what God has given us and working it well started in Genesis, in, in, in the Garden of Eden. God came to Adam and Eve and said, I give all of this to you to enjoy. Have all of this, all of these trees, as much as you possibly want. Enjoy it, have life, have it abundantly. But there's one tree that I don't want you to touch. And we know how the story goes. And they disobeyed and they said, well, we're going to try this. In the same way, God has given us principles in stewardship that says, I want you to enjoy all the riches that I have for you as we read about in 1 Timothy 6, that all the riches of Christ is available to us. But there are some principles that I want you to abide to when it comes to your giving and what I want you to render to me in obedience. So my heart this morning is to start by saying, when we speak about stewardship, are you an owner or are you owned? When you think about money, is it something that you can work for yourself and for the kingdom of God? Or is it something that's working you? Where you are owned by it, maybe it's through fear or, or maybe it's through moments of discouragement that your angle towards money is it, it's on your mind the whole time and it really has a, has a strong grip on you. And the good news this morning is we're going to find in the word that God is ready to help us be, be set free from this and have liberated hearts when it comes to this matter. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. I want you to turn your pages there. If you've got your Bible, it will be up on the screen. If you want to follow there, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get stuck into the message for this morning. Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just want to pause there for a minute. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, don't lay up yourselves treasures on earth, and don't worry, I'll protect those treasures so that the thieves don't come in and destroy, steal and destroy, and the, the, the moth and the rust doesn't hit it. Sometimes that's how we treat Christ as this, this security guard that all the things that we've accumulated, he just needs to take care of and protect. And he's challenging that notion right here and saying, that's not where your heart should be. When it comes about your treasure and how you treat your treasure, know that there's a much greater treasure than the things on earth. Because life is going to happen and there are going to be disappointments. So don't put your focus there. Put it somewhere else. And then he goes into this explanation of the eye. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Speaking about finances, he's using this analogy. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Those are strong words. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So in other words, if the light that you think that you focus on and the light that you allow into your body and into your soul and who you become is dark then that's a great darkness that you are walking in. But if we put our eyes on the treasures of heaven and the things of heaven and the things that's about God and his kingdom, we will experience light in our life. And then he concludes this thought by saying, you cannot serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Strong words, hate and love. Not obey the one and disobey the other. Not like the one and dislike the other. You will either hate or love the one or the other. 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning that we can look at your word, which is life to us, and that this morning, Lord, we really do trust you, that you come and bring your life to us as we study and understand your heart for us with regards to finances, Lord, where this is such an integral part of life, Lord, where you created it, where you created wealth and trade and all these things for us to to live by, Father, we pray that you will give us your godly wisdom and insight this morning. I pray, Lord, that people will, that, that we as your people this morning will hear you speak through your word. Thank you, Lord, that you just use me as an instrument this morning and I avail myself for you to speak in a way that is worthy of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. A few things to note of the scripture is that this is very interesting that Jesus is directly putting himself up against money, or in some translations, the God Mammon. Nowhere else in Jesus' mentions of other gods does he actually put himself up against it. He doesn't say you can't serve God and Baal. He doesn't say you can't serve God and Ra. But he does say you can't serve God and Mammon. So he understood that there's a real war in the world today and that there is this strong spiritual dynamic involved when it comes to finances. This piece of scripture was also not preached to rich people. It was preached to the people that's been following Jesus on the streets and walking with him. And therefore, it's, it's an, it would be an error to say that this message is only for those who do have a lot and that we need to help them understand it better. No, this is a heart issue. It's God speaking to the heart of every human, saying that whether you have little or whether you have much, that all of us will have a moment to decide, are we serving God or are we serving money? And Jesus loves us enough to warn us about this trap. He stops in the middle of his ministry, and in fact, he spoke about it so often. He said, I want to stop and talk to you guys about money. Because each one of you will be in a place and a point in your life where this will be a struggle or a battle. And let me help you overcome that. Here's the wisdom on how to do it. Make sure that your treasure and your focus are on the things of light and not on the things of darkness so that your life will be filled with light. Proverbs 15 verse 30 says, The light of the eyes rejoice the heart. So the question this morning is, what do we focus on? What are our eyes fixed upon? What, what do we gaze upon when we think about our, our wealth and what God has entrusted to us? Do we rejoice our heart with good things, with things acceptable to Him? Or do we just rejoice our hearts with the things that we want and we desire? We talked about covetousness and the need to have things that we don't have a couple of weeks ago. And again, if our heart is set on the desire of God and His kingdom, our lives will be full of light. That's what this scripture is teaching us. So the question this morning is, what do you focus on? And, and Byron helped me get a prop for this morning. Um, I don't know if you guys can see in the back, but I've got one dark and one light eye. And often this is how we walk through life with regards to money, because we might not have a clear understanding of what God expects from us. Or some of us really battle with the desire to make this ours and it's our little kingdom and we won't allow anyone else to tell us how we should and should run our kingdom. And there's some darkness involved. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if I had to call up Ant and I, I, I ask Ant, and I'm not going to try it because I've practiced it and I might get it right, and put your finger up and I'm standing here and I need to poke his finger 
with one dark and one light eye, I won't be able to do it. Because the moment your one eye goes dark like this and the other one is sharp and light, you lose depth of field. And you won't be able to really see the depth of things. And therefore, it's so important for us to know that God has called us for clear vision with regards to this. Some of us might have lost our tracking and our footing and we've lost our depth of field spiritually in this area. And therefore, Jesus is using a strong analogy to say, get two bright eyes. Don't go with one dark and one light so that you have depth of field in what I'm calling you to. The other thing that we need to to take note of in this this passage is that Jesus is speaking about greed. If your eye is greedy, that's a big darkness. And again, he's not addressing the rich people. He's addressing everyone, saying greed is not a rich man problem. Greed is a human heart problem. And I want to speak about that because greed is something that could keep you shackled in mammon's den so that you can't be free and liberated and walk in the light that I want to give you. So our goal this series is to help you move. Because all of us need to stop and ask, how, how are we in the greed category? Are we still stuck there? Do we really have a heart of generosity towards God and His kingdom to other people? Or are we in that place where I've worked hard for this, I deserve this, this is mine, and no one will touch this. But our heart is to move us from greed so that each one of us can get to the place where we start giving in faith and saying, God, you know what? I'm not going to put my trust in chariots and horses. I'm going to put my trust in Almighty God, which is much greater. And then that is not even where God wants us. He wants us to move from greed to giving and actually get to a place of generosity. Because that's what the Bible says God delights in. God loves a cheerful and a generous giver. And if we can get to this place, and this is how we counter the opposite side of greed is by coming a generous people, by saying, God, you know this thing that is so deep in me, come and remove it, and I'm going to put my practice to it. And so I'm going to start giving so that I move beyond the area of greed in my own life. As disciples of Jesus, we ought to live in a way that is honoring to him. As disciples of Jesus, we ought to walk this road from greed to generosity so that we could be carrying his name well in this earth. So the question this morning, and I'm going to give you four things to look at, is how do we ensure that we aren't owned by money, but that we are in a position of victory over it? And the first thing I want to mention to you this morning is find your treasure. I love that one scripture, the one parable It speaks about if a guy finds a a massive piece of land and he knows there's an incredible treasure in it, he would go and sell everything to acquire that piece of land. And then Jesus says, isn't that what it should be like with the kingdom of God? That once you discover it, you will let go of everything else to make sure that this is your greatest price. That your greatest treasure is me and my kingdom. And I want to say this this morning, that as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, we have to ensure that our greatest treasure is Him and His kingdom. So this goes so much further than just the money matter. It goes back to our heart, same as it was with the 10 series. Lord, in my heart, do I honor and treasure and and seek you above everything else? Because if I can say yes to that, the rest will follow and will fall into place.
Listen to this scripture in Luke 12. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that amazing to hear four things? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't look at the economy of South Africa and start being fearful. Don't look at your bank account and operate out of fear. And then he comes with a second part and he says, little flock, I am your shepherd. Psalm 23, you shall not want. I will walk you to pastures and I will lay you down and rest. Don't fear. I am your shepherd. The third thing he says there, I'm your father. It is my good pleasure. I actually enjoy and I find pleasure in giving you the things that you need. And then the fourth thing, what does he give us? He gives us his kingdom. Isn't that a powerful thing to think of? Four powerful statements in one sentence that Jesus said. And he said this, and if I could paraphrase it, in light of the fact that you have a God in heaven who is set on caring for you as a shepherd does his sheep, as a father does his children, and as a king who is passing on an entire kingdom, sell your possessions and give it away, and don't worry. Your God, your shepherd, your father, your king has everything under control. That is powerful. That's how we, we get back to that place of finding our treasure in him. He's our God, he's our father, he's our shepherd, and he's our king. And what he has for us and the treasure that we find in him is much richer and greater than anything we could find on earth. Jesus don't deprive us of our treasure. He directs us in the choice of it. I'm going to say that again. Jesus doesn't deprive us of our treasure. He directs us in the choice of it. He's made our hearts to have a treasure in something. That's the way he's created us. But he's saying, I'm going to help you direct it. So that the things that you focus on are eternal. It'll last forever. It won't just last the 85 or 90 years of your existence and the, the inheritance you might leave for a couple of generations later. This is something that'll last for, for generations upon generations. So make sure that your treasure is directed in the right place. So the first thing we ought to do in our journey of multiplication is to find our treasure and to make it the kingdom of God. The second thing we ought to do is to forfeit our greed. Say, God, I'm done with this. I'm going to make a stand today. I'm going to say, God, with regards to greed, I want to get rid of this. I want to let it go. I'm done with this way of thinking, this way of acting. I actually want to get to a place where I start giving and when I operate out of generosity. I want to use the story of Zacchaeus as an example. One of those fun stories we, 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 we learn about in Bible school, or no, sorry, Bible school, in children's church about the little guy with a big bankroll who wanted to see Jesus. But he was so little that the crowds kind of masked Jesus to him, and he was too short to actually see Jesus. So he climbed up a, a tree, a sycamore tree, to be able to see Jesus. And the Bible said, says this, that he wanted to see the man Jesus. He wanted to see what this was all about. Why are the crowds gathering? And this little guy had a big job. He was the chief tax collector. And in those days, they were, they were, they were fallen men with a lot of corruption. And the Bible speaks about it all the time. And, but he had heard about this news about Jesus. And he was rich and he, he's collected tax and fraud and in fraudulent ways. But something stirred in his heart. And then he gets up in the tree 
And then Jesus notices him in the tree and he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, and he knows him by name. And this guy kind of probably gets scared. I could imagine him almost falling out of the tree that Jesus actually knows his name. He says, I'm coming to you for lunch, by the way. I think Jesus was in the mood for proper food. He says, I'm going to go to a rich man today, get something nice for lunch. And um, we know how the murmurations of the Pharisees happened and like, oh, Jesus is going to a sinner's home. How could he? But he goes and he has lunch with um, Zacchaeus and, and the whole conversation isn't recorded. I'm trying to imagine what they might have talked about. But all of a sudden, the conversation stops and Zacchaeus stood up. The Bible said, and he stood. So they were eating together and all of a sudden he said, Jesus, just hang on. And he stands up and he says this, I have now decided and resolved that 50% of what I have, I will give to the poor. And to anyone that I've treated fraudulently, I will restore fourfold. So an encounter with Christ and the treasure Christ made this guy have a whole total heart turn over and say, God, now I want to stand for your kingdom. And I want to proclaim that I'm going to use my treasure in a way that is honoring to you. I'm done with my greed. I'm letting it go. I want to start walking in the liberty and the life that you have given us. Isn't that an amazing story? From the chief tax collector, not just a little guy that works at the SARS office. And SARS is great, by the way. I went there this week. Uh, I stood up in the queue at six o'clock and I thought, it's just going to be a long day. But the people there were joyful. We're even saying to the one lady, it was her birthday, who served there at six o'clock. We got together. It was amazing to just see South Africans together like that in, in the SARS office of all places. I was really impressed, by the way. But here's Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, chief thief, maybe. And he encounters Christ. And he says, this is it. I'm going to give it away, and I'm going to restore. And the question to us as a church today, in our encounters with Christ, do we encounter him for everything apart from our money? Because this one area we want to keep, oh, we're so in love with him and so overcome by him and who he is and him being our treasure that we say, God, everything is yours. I'm going to change the way I treat my thinking about finances and act according to generosity and forfeit my own greed in my own life. And then this is what Jesus said the moment after Zacchaeus made this declaration. Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Today, the light has come in the darkness, where you were once a man with dark eyes, And oh, how great that that darkness was within you. Today my light has come and set you free. That's what Jesus was saying. And are we in a place where we say, God, we want to stand back and we want your light and your salvation to come to our area. We really want to get to a place where we see your multiplication. We really want to work hard so that we have seed to advance your kingdom. We really want to be a generous people who do so joyfully. The third thing, now that we found our treasure and we said we want to deal with the heart of greed, is to fulfill our part. It's to actually say, now we're going to put action to it. Not just have an emotional moment and saying, okay, I'm going to change my ways. But then what does it look like to actually fulfill our part? What do we actually do? And what are the Bible, biblical requirements 
for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to say this, discipleship is about consistency. It's about being disciplined in the ways of God. The word disciple is the same word, same root word as the word discipline. So it speaks about being consistent. It's finding a principle and living according to that principle throughout your life. It's living the simple principles of God. And I love this story where they challenged Jesus about the taxes. And said, well, they say we should pay our taxes to Caesar. What do you say? Trying to catch him out. And Jesus replied and he said this. He looked, he looked at the coin and said, whose face is on the coin? And they're like, well, it's Caesar's face. And he says, well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And he could have just stopped it there. And he threw a challenge back at them. And he says, and give to God what belongs to God. And that, this is the way Jesus always calls us to a higher level of walking with him. He doesn't just answer. It's the same with when I, when I spoke about adultery. In the Bible or in the Old Testament, it says, don't steal another man's wife. Don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you know what, just looking at her lustfully has already caused you to commit adultery in your heart. So here Jesus is pulling them up even higher. It says, yes, you do pay your taxes, but let me take you a step higher. Remember to give to God and to render to him what is his. And I want to say this when I talk about this, this, this challenge, as I want to call it this morning, to our hearts. Is that the principles of God are good for us and it's life for us. But it has to come from a heart motivation of love for him. Otherwise, we will just be a people, like Jesus said, who draw near with our actions and our lips but our hearts aren't in it. And it brings me to the challenge to our hearts this morning of tithing and giving a tenth of what God has entrusted to us back to him. That's how we fulfill our part as we start there. Your biggest weapon against a heart of greed is to start with tithing. Say, God, I'm gonna start giving to you according to your principle, not according to the law, what belongs to you. I love how... Uh, often, and I like the discussion about tithing, and people ask and say, but that is old law. That is old. But we in the new law, it's, it's grace. It's, it's, and then I'm, I want to stop and say, well, then we shouldn't have even talked about the Ten Commandments, right? Because that's law, and now it's grace. But again, the fight of God versus money is so real in our world today that we do engage in conversations like this. And here's a little, little inside scoop to tithing is that tithing happened prior to the Mosaic law. Two instances, one with Abram who had an encounter with the high priest Melchizedek, which the Bible says was a type of Christ. He had an encounter with him and then he says in his heart, he decided to give a tenth of what he wants, of what he owns as an offering. And then later Jacob had an incredible encounter with God at Bethel where the heavens opened and he saw the vision of heaven and the angels and the ladder and he woke up the next day and he said this, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And he laid down a stone, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. The challenge of the tithe is not whether we should give it or not. The challenge of the tithe for us today is whether our heart's gratitude towards God is so overcome with who he is that we do want to give it. 
Because here are two examples prior to the law, which debunks the whole thing that it's law, we shouldn't go there, of two men that had encounters with God. God, you're amazing. I'm at least going to give you 10% of what I have. And that should be our heart is to fulfill the basic part of what God has called us to do. Just as God doesn't change, his principles remain. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his principles that we find in the word of God remain throughout time. There's no changing of principle. So let's fulfill our parts. And then once we do that, we get to the fourth point. We can free our hearts. We can get to a place where our hearts are actually liberated and free and, and set free of this, this battle and this, this fight. God versus money. God versus mammon. I want to say this. I've never met an individual ever, 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 ever in my entire walk. Maybe that's me. Maybe your story is different. That has actually come to a point and said, I've given to God. And because of that, I am in a stupid situation today. I do believe that God comes through every time because his word promises that. And yes, sometimes our giving might be a little bit stupid. I'm not going to say that sometimes we don't do silly things and we might have to manage things a little bit better. But even in my and Elena's walk, we talked about this the other day with, with people, is we needed to trust God. When we got married, we earned 2,000 rand a month 13 years ago. It was enough to pay our, our rent every month. But we learned to, to live by faith and to live from God's provision in our lives. And that's taught us to always trust Him, to not trust in riches and chariots and horses, but to trust in God Almighty. And that's caused us to try our very best to live a lifestyle of generosity because we know what we have, we can give away. It's not ours. It belongs to him. Sometimes it's very difficult and we fall back into the trap on this end when we have a little bit more and we want to do X, Y, and Z and there's that ongoing battle. But our hearts can be free in this matter. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, don't worry about what you have to wear Don't worry about 2017. Don't worry about what you have to eat. Don't worry about what you have to drink. Get rid of the heart of worry. And here's how you do it. First seek the kingdom. Back to the treasure. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's the promise. And all these things will be added to you. Say, and all these things will be added to me. That is God's heart when it comes to finances. So we be liberated. And in our worship of him, it's not, it's not defiled by a battle between God and money. But in our worship to him, it's so pure that we can walk in faith and we can see that he will provide everything we need. I love the stories of the men and women in our faith historically who has truly abandoned all in their pursuit of God. And when you read their stories of faith, it is impossible, it's encouraging to, to, to hear that. God desires that each walk, that we each walk and live in freedom when it comes to finances, and it is possible. Also, once I want to ask the question, have we neglected that promise of God? God, I need to take care of the eating, drinking, clothing. Because when we say that that's my job to take care of that, and yes, we have to work. I'm not saying don't work. But the trusting of it is our trust in God or is it in our employer? We are actually saying, God, I'm not interested in your promise of provision. We, all we ought to do is to find our treasure 
and make it him. And I want to end with this in conclusion and pulling everything together. When we beseech to treasure God, our greed from us, it shall depart. When all we do, our little part, his joy will cause unburdened heart. That is the heart of God for us, to have unburdened, freed hearts in our journey of finances. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you're a good, good father. Lord, thank you that you're a good shepherd. Lord, thank you that you're the great king. Lord, who owns the cattle, the thousand hills, who created the very earth that we walk in and, and live in, who is giving us the breath in our lungs this morning to sit here. Lord, my prayer this morning is simple, that we as a house would be worshipful in the way that we approach our finances. That we will do it in a way that is honoring to you, Father, that each one of us would be able to walk in liberty and liberate it from the weight that the world has placed on us. Lord, I really pray that over the next three, three weeks, as we start to step out in faith and start addressing our hearts, which is so oftentimes greedy, Lord, that we will see miracles happen as we live according to your promise that says you will take care of us and you will add to us everything we need. May we never be fearful, Lord. May we understand that your perfect love for us cast out all fear and especially the fear of need and financial need, Father, that you come with your perfect love and say, I will take good care of you. Just walk with me and trust me. Lord, and ultimately, I pray this morning that our greatest treasure will be you and your kingdom. That the thing that we, we think about and dream about and talk about and that's in our hearts and really captivate us would be you and your kingdom, Father. And that we, we would make that our daily goal, knowing that if we seek that first, you will take care of the rest. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. May we have a blessed week of understanding your heart better with regards to this. In Jesus' name, amen.